Alright guys, welcome back to episode 13 of the Red Pill Initiation Hour, here with your host, Chris Story. So, as always guys, a few things to touch base on before we kick today's episode off. The first is a massive thank you again. I know you're probably getting bored if you listen to me episode after episode saying thank you to everyone, but I really do mean it. Your response is everything to me when it comes to this podcast. I need to know what uh, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And how to make this show better for you guys, because at the end of the day, this is what it's about. It's about delivering information that I believe to be important, but being able to deliver it in a way that you guys can really understand it and begin to integrate it into your life. So yeah, thanks for all your feedback that you've given me so far. If you like today's episode and you you want to give back a little bit, if you could please leave me a review on iTunes iTunes is the main one for me by the looks of it to really sort of push this brand and push the brand and the and the podcast out to a wider audience so yeah that would mean the world if not iTunes then YouTube Spotify uh, any of the major podcast apps that you listen to this on if you could drop me a review even if you just hook me up on um, with a personal DM on Instagram at Primal Alchemy UK that would mean the world for me as well and as a massive thank you I always give you guys an exclusive 10% discount code to any purchases made on primalalchemy.co.uk. So that's going to be the code REDPILL. The code REDPILL that when you apply to the discount section on checkout, you're getting an exclusive 10% off anything in your shopping basket. Which is the perfect opportunity to grab yourself our flagship product, Vitruvian Protein. Vitruvian protein ties in very nicely with today's topic, which is going to be to do with nootropics, but I'll come on to that quickly in a minute. And Vitruvian protein is forged with organic, adaptogenic, and nootropic herbs. So an example of this would be the Mucuna purians, which is an Ayurvedic herb, but is a very potent, uh, yeah, very potent nootropic, natural nootropic. It's got a chemical compound called uh, L-DOPA, or levodopa in it, which is a precursor to dopamine. So, and obviously, dopamine is a one of those neurohormones that we want in order to increase our cognitive ability and function. Hence, why it's a nootropic. So, yeah, check it out, guys. Get that exclusive ten percent off. We offer it in a twenty-five gram single serving, five hundred gram, and one kilogram options are available for you. So, now moving on to today's show. The guest is Mr. William Wallace. Uh, Will is a PhD student out in Fort Lauderdale over in the States. He studies neurophysiology. He's all about really understanding how to optimize the physical self and the mental self. He literally just released a paper that's in a journal shit sorry well i'm not going to be able to say what uh what specific journal it was but i just want to congratulate him for getting his getting his work uh his work uh noted in a in a um journal such as that and yeah it was real good talking to will he's got a lot of um real deep insight into the world of nootropics into uh enhancing your cognitive functioning and ability he is also like myself, a formulator and product developer. He product developer. He does it for, um, for another brand out in the states. 
whereas obviously I'm do it for myself here in house at Primal Alchemy. But yeah, we vibed on a lot of stuff. Went over uh, natural nootropics. We went over the nootropics that most people are familiar with, which is like the racetans. We talked about a lot about diet, about a little bit of training. We talked about how to balance neurotransmitters in the brain. Yeah, a lot of cool shit, guys. Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, Will is a a library of information regarding this stuff. So for any of you that are not familiar with his work, please check him out on Instagram, which I believe to be at Will the Wallace. I think that's correct. Don't want to fuck that up. But if not, he definitely talks about it in the show where to find him afterwards. So yeah, guys, hopefully you enjoy it. Let's get to today's show up and running. So episode 13, let's shoot the shit. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above, so below. What lies without resides within. Time for growth to begin. Mental, physical, and spiritual We find balance with all three As we focus on totality The whole, not the half This is for those on a spiritual path Looking for the clues to the answers of life But the truth ain't always nice So leave your ego at the door Let your inner lion roar And your spirit soar As we go deep down to the molecular level Tap into the body with some yogic breath Throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test Like the shamans of old We use the nature to heal With a little bit of DMT to reveal This whole life journey is a little surreal And your mind needs a leader Not a follower in life Let your mind be the master And you pay a hefty price This next 60 minutes is about self mastery it's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey but we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour with this red pill initiation hour brought to you by Prima Okami the matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth and free two one and we're live all right guys welcome back to episode 13 of prime alchemy's red pill initiation hour today is going to be a good one guys i think you're really going to enjoy this one um you should know by now that i am pretty obsessed with not only physical optimization and you guys know that i love to blabber on about the spiritual optimization but something that not many people really take into account nowadays only a few is the importance of mental optimization and the connections of being mentally optimized and how that can then you can then see a direct transfer into your physical being and spiritual being as well so yeah big interest of mine and the uh the guy that i've got on today is fucking switched on when it comes to this sort of thing He's, uh, you only have to take a check on his Instagram page just to see some of the material he's putting out. And it's clear that, uh, yeah, it's clear that he, he's leagues above a lot of people that are out there putting out similar sort of information and yeah, reached out to him, got him on and yeah, looking forward to this one. So, uh, I just want to give a massive welcome to you, mate. It's, uh, Mr. William Wallace. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing very well, man. How are you doing? Yeah, man, it's good. Just saying, really looking forward to this. So, um, 
just for everyone who's unfamiliar with your with your work with what you're about it'd be great if you could give us a little uh, rundown on who you are what you're about how you've sort of got to where you are today your path and yeah just uh just take us down the rabbit hole my man yeah absolutely well first off i just want to say thank you I, I really appreciate you considering me to come on your podcast it's it's always an honor to you know be recognized as somebody else in the game as you know at least somebody who you know relatively worthwhile talking to um so start with that but yeah so to give some background into myself i um i graduated from a state school in new hampshire so new england and uh I actually graduated with an, an undergraduate that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. It was actually occupational safety and health. So that's like OSHA building codes and, and standards, like safety officer stuff. Um, I didn't really have much of a direction when I was, I think, 22 when I graduated. It was just a major that I could graduate on time with because I, you know, I spent my fair share of time dicking around in college, um, you know, but... I knew that I was interested in the exercise sciences. Um, you know, I decided at 22, okay, it's time for me to get my shit together. Um, and I had to take a couple years out of school to get, you know, get some prereqs under my belt so that I could go into grad school, you know, in the exercise science field and, and then at least try to play with the different things that I might, you know, that I might be good at or more interested in. So after taking two years, out of my undergrad when I was 24, um, I got accepted to most of the, the universities I applied to. Um, I ended up going to the university of Tampa for, uh, exercise and nutrition science. And I ended up actually trying out a couple different fields, um, cause I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet. You know, so I, uh, I interned as a strength and conditioning coach for men's basketball for a while. I was like, you know, this is cool. You know, obviously, uh, I think like everybody listening to this, probably everybody enjoys training to some degree. So mm-hmm. realize that, okay, well, this is cool, but it, may, it might not be for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to be entering grad school and starting my, one of my first courses was my like senior thesis class. So basically I spent an entire semester preparing a presentation and, um, and then, and then, presenting it at, at the end of the semester. And then after I did that, I was fortunate enough to be awarded an internship spot in the lab um, doing research. And the research kind of stuck. Um, and I ended up, my, my disciplinaries in grad school were uh, neuromuscular physiology and biomechanics. So my background is largely training and motor learning. Um, the, the biggest influence on me there was I actually had a visiting professor from Brazil and a professor at the University of Tampa who is from Brazil and was actually the the protege of this visiting professor. So both of these guys had the biggest influence on me and the fields I studied. Um, you know, this guy was one of the top biomechanists in the world, um, and I just aspired to be like him. He was one of the probably one of the great critical thinkers that I've ever met. So I thought that if if I could develop myself cognitively to a point where I could just think like this guy, then then, I, then my career might turn out okay. But Needless to say, as I went through grad school, um, graduated, I worked in clinical research for a while. It was more more so in product development, but in the the research the research side of product development, testing different products, um, writing manuscripts, things of that nature. Um, and 
actually as soon well as soon as I, I finished my master's I went right into my PhD my PhD I mean I, I still work full-time and do my PhD full-time and I'm still doing both of those to this day I, st- I started the PhD about uh, two and a half years ago so I have about a year left in that but my PhD went to focus more in neurophysiology as I became kind of more obsessed with how the brain works um, how we learn. So how we learn new, new skills, how we learn um, new information, and how the external environment affects the brain, and vice versa. So my studies kind of went more into neurophysiology, and supplementation was always something that it was a hobby of mine. Um, I used to be very fascinated with the, you know, the, the chemistry and the biochemistry of androgens. So that, for a while, was something that I studied and actually work with a couple bodybuilders, you know, on doing things as safely as possible. But as my studies went deeper into neurophysiology, my interest kind of went more towards cognitive supplementation and different ways that you could, as I call it, um, manipulate or enhance the human experience. So uh, I eventually just got very proficient with that, you know, through, through being nothing more than curious and, a supplement company um, called Life Extension reached out to me um, and asked me if, if I would want to come formulate for them down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida. So I accepted that position and uh, I went, you know, I'm down there now and I, I work as a, a full time uh, supplement formulator. And like I said, simultaneously, simultaneously getting my PhD and, you know, I just like to keep in touch with with everybody uh, in this industry. So it's, you know, I've made some very, some very good connections and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a ride so far. Like, to be honest, um, you know, I, I talk to some people and it's not to beef myself up in, in any type of way. Cause I don't believe I've accomplished anything close to, to my goals yet, you know, but I do realize that I have done a substantial amount for a 27 year old and, it's through, like I said, being nothing more than curious. And that, that's one thing that like, I, I like stressing to people is like, look, you don't, you don't need to go and actually get like a, a super fancy degree. Um, all, all you really need are some mentors to some mentors to actually give you the tools to sift through information. Cause there's a lot of information out there, especially with social media. Um, and it's not all mm-hmm. as we know, good information. So you know, find mentors that can help you sift through the information, you know, and find the truth in that. And then after that, it really just comes down to how curious are you and how bad do you want to know something? Yeah, man, I really, um, I really like that story. And it's, it's interesting how your sort of, um, curiosity kind of led you down to, uh, being a supplement formulator. And like, that's one of the things like growing up and like from, the age of like 15 or so when I started training, experimenting with supplements, I was always like, man, I fucking love to work as a, it's just literally just making supplements all day. You just be like a little mad scientist, a little alchemist, just like throwing herbs together, throwing chemicals together and just trying to make some next level shit. And yeah, it was, I just never knew how to really get into it to the point where in the end I was like, I'll just make my own brand. I'll make my own brand and I'll make my own products instead of the, so that was kind of like my my sort of fork in the road split from where you from uh, your path because it's very similar. Like it's you literally 
just going deep down the rabbit hole of supplementation and the more you go into it the more you 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 can you really start to appreciate the um the potential that the that certain chemicals have and their interaction on the body on and just our body as a whole the brain our uh yeah like like you're saying like neurophysiological potential it's um yeah, it's fascinating to me. So it's it's interesting that you said that. And uh, one of the things I just want to pick up on, though, I mean, I, I don't know, it might be something that you've looked into, it might not be, uh, when you said that you you took like a fascination with androgens. Um, have you got much experience with SARMs? Now, SARMs was something that for a while, um, for a while I had put in a reasonable amount of studying to. And I actually, uh, I was actually out because um, I'm, I'm up um, with my family in New England for the holidays right now. And I went out with a friend last night and he was asking me the same thing. So yeah, what do you think about SARMs? What do you, and I was like, you know, like back, let's see, three, four years when they were a bit more popular um, or a bit more mainstream, you know, I had done a lot more looking into them. Um, and at some point, to be honest, at some point, my, my curiosity for those things um, and really my desire to, to, to understand the processes underlying those things kind of just, just went away. Um, so there actually was a time where I knew a reasonable amount, uh, you know, about those things. And then, and then I kind of just fell off it. Um, and a lot of that information is just kind of like blown to the wayside. So if somebody was like, ask me about storms yeah. now, yeah, I would tell you that straight up, like I'm, I'm certainly no expert there. Um, probably. Yeah. So I wouldn't be the right person to go to if somebody was looking for questions about SARMs. And I get the, in my inbox, I get those all the time because they're, I feel like they're they're making a bit of a resurgence in popularity. Yeah, I've just um just just something I experimented with in the past and just recently, like literally the past few days, I had someone ask me about it and I was just talking them through it and I was just like, mm, yeah man, it's it's interesting that there is like a resurgence with these uh with these SARMs or these peptides. And uh there's loads of new ones being sort of formulated all the time now, so it's Again, you got to be kind of careful with what ones you go for. If if there's no uh, like third party lab testing to be able to show you the purity and actually show you what you're getting, but um, yeah, I think I've 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 just I think they're really interesting. It's uh, it's just because you brought up with the androgens, man. I thought I'd ask with um, do you are you still interested in all the androgen stuff? Like, do you, do you are you into like natural um, like natural herbal tinctures that you can use to sort of uh optimize your your androgen levels i mean to a to a degree you know one of the tough things with manipulating um androgens or, or you know i guess sex hormones and steroid hormones in, in general particularly with natural and herbal type remedies um mm-hmm. the, you know the the data that's out there on a lot of things even things that are promising most things that are promising you know first and foremost are in animal models so it's very tough to translate that to a human model. Um, but secondly, if these things do show promise in human models, it's most oftentimes in people whose, you know, let's say testosterone levels are inadequate. So for somebody like, you know, uh, uh, let's just use myself, for example, a 27-year-old in, you know, reasonably good health with reasonably stable and high natural testosterone levels um, you know, something like, you know, let's just throw something out there, you know, like 
cordyceps, for instance, is, you know, that's, that's shown to raise testosterone levels in animal models. Um, that probably wouldn't have any, really any effect at all. And if it did, it just wouldn't be significant on, you know, my own testosterone levels because my body just isn't deficient in it. So using herbal remedies, they, they can definitely be useful, except for people and populations whose hormones are inadequate for optimal bodily function, or if they're lacking, then those things probably and likely can be very useful. But in somebody who already has pretty reasonable and adequate levels, especially for optimal bodily function, then herbal and natural remedies, they're just data, the data suggests that they're not very useful. Um, you know, even if you do, like I said, even if you do get small, small increases, it, they may not be significant though. Hey, to you, they may be significant. Um, just on paper, they wouldn't seem it. So, yeah, so it's tough, like differentiating from, you know, the natural ones to obviously when you go into the synthetic, synthetic type androgens, then, you know, totally different ballgame and, and no comparison. But yeah, so the natural ones, it's, it's that's a thing of debate in, in the industry now, like how much do they help and, how, you know, but like I said, in populations with inadequate levels, I think it could be very helpful. Have you tried um have you tried pine pollen before? Have you tried like an alcoholic extraction of pine pollen? You know, no, I haven't. But I have, you know, I've heard like people like Ben Greenfield are pretty big on that. Um, but I have never tried it myself. Dude, you should try it out, man. You should um give it a go. It's I've been I've been doing it recently. I made my own, I just went and bought like a like a, a bulk bag of like wild harvested pine pollen, broken broken cell wool, and um, yeah, just mixed it with some like real high grade vodka. Just let it sit for about two weeks, and I've just been trying it recently, and it's pretty potent stuff. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest in research, or no, I should say, re- it can be scientific research and anecdotal, which I believe is just as equally important but overlooked. Um, yeah, the effects that it has on androgen levels testosterone levels just the endocrine system as a totality i think it's uh definitely give it a go man because obviously being in a coming from a strength conditioning background as well that's always going to be like it's always going to be a big part of your life right training and that sort of thing so it's not it would really help like i've seen i've seen some pretty good improvements um with my with my strength levels actually yeah since since i've been using it and it's uh yeah just for just thought that'd be a good one for you to search up and um this is just a bit out of the blue man but i i always kind of ask people this when i when i meet them just because it's interesting have you done the braverman test before uh you know what i have i've uh i played with it once to just see okay like just you know so i could understand what it was about um you know it's an interesting what do you think of it now I can't say that there's any scientific reliability to it because there's not, but, um, you know, if there's somebody, because I do, I get a lot of inquiries about uh, people asking, you know, well, how do I know what supplements to take if I don't know what my brain chemistry looks like? Cause I tell them, I mean, the only really way to tailor cognitive supplementation is to kind of understand your brain chemistry. And obviously it's, super tough because even you know the clinical tests we have out there most times are only collecting a snapshot of what it looks like and and it can change on a minute to minute basis so i do tell them that you know what the braverman test though not scientifically reliable i do think that it has its uses and, and it can it can be beneficial 
if you're somebody who's just looking for an idea of where to get started. Maybe you just, you know, you want to get started with this type, you know, like nootropics are, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to get started, in, especially when you don't understand most of it and you don't really know all of it yet. It's becoming so prevalent that everybody is curious and wants to try it. So you're like, well, how do I, how do I even know where to begin? You're like, well, the Braverman test might, it might be useful for, like I said, people who are at least trying to find somewhere to start, maybe a good baseline, you know, and then you can play it, play it safe from there and do some self-experimentation. But it, yeah, like I said, it might, it might be a good place to start for some people. What was your results like when you had it done, man? Can you remember? Like, what did you come out with? Like, what were you more sort of dominant in and what were you... Uh, let's see. Like? Typically, whenever these types of tests, like, I come up with, um, you know, I'm pretty low on dopamine at baseline. Um, I'm relatively mm-hmm. high in GABA. And uh, Can you hear me okay? Interesting. Okay. Uh, I thought my headphones... Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, but I'm typically pretty low in dopamine. Um... I favor more serotonin, um, kind of high in GABA. Um, and to me, it's like, you know what? Hey, like if I had to take a guess on myself, I would say that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, I, at baseline, I'm not like, uh, I don't, I don't have very, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty introverted. I kind of keep to myself and, you know, I don't really, I don't do like a whole lot of thrill seeking behavior. Though I understand that that could be that could be a symptom of both mm-hmm. low and high dopamine, because if you have low dopamine, well, you might have thrill-seeking behavior because you want to get a dopamine response. Um, you know, but I do know people who might be more high dopamine based, where they see maybe a bit more manic, and not necessarily in a bad way, um, but also maybe much more outgoing, um, and they do have they do tend to have more thrill-seeking behavior. So, you know, when I, when I took the Braverman test and I was like, okay, you know, I could, I could, I could see that being pretty accurate for myself is that's probably what I would have guessed, you know, if I, if I were just to guess blindly what I might be low or high in. So for someone that like yourself, that is high in dopamine and, uh, no, sorry. Was it low in dopamine and high in, yes. and high in GABA? That's the one. What sort? What sort of uh, things would you say uh, you could do? This could be um, diament- uh, dietary advice. This could be you could go specific with the nootropics. What sort of? What would you be looking at in order to balance those two? So obviously you'd be looking to increase a little bit more dopamine levels. What sort of things? Now would you it's be interesting doing? because there's like there's a little bit more to take into account as well. You know, um, there might be reasons why. So there's certain genes. And, and the ways that they, um, you know, kind of work in people that would suggest maybe why you were low in dopamine or high in dopamine. But at the same time, it's not necessarily a linear relationship with the, the levels of neurotransmitters you have in your brain. Like, for instance, the, let's see, catechomethyltransferase gene, so the COMT gene, um, you know, a variant of that will let somebody know how quickly they might metabolize something like dopamine. So if you have a fast gene, then you might have lower dopamine levels because you metabolize it quicker. Uh, and if you have a slow gene, you might have you know higher dopamine levels because you metabolize it slower. So if you take a dopamine, um, you know, a, a dopamine precursor, like let's just say tyrosine um, or L-dopa, 
then some people with a slow COMT may not be able to handle it very well. Like they might get agitated, anxiety, um, the, you know, rap like a heartbeat that they might consider too fast. Um, just because of the high dopamine levels, you know, then you'll get some turnover to epinephrine and norepinephrine um, like that could cause anxiety. So some people who have like a slow COMT might not be able to handle um you know, dopamine precursors, somebody like myself with who probably tends to err on the lower side of dopamine levels. Like I haven't, I actually haven't gotten gene testing, but I actually do have a 23 and me kit at home. And I'm curious to try it out. Like, you know, again, for those things, they're not incredibly scientifically reliable, but I think they're interesting. Um, you know, I think that they can be worth something and useful. So if I had to guess, I, I would, I would guess that I had a fast COMT, variant. And in that case, I can tend to handle higher doses of dopamine precursors um, than some people who don't have a fast COMT or they don't metabolize those things quickly. However, I'm also a a minimalist. So I tend to err on the lower side of dosing of everything. But if I was trying to raise my, I've digressed a bit, so I'd answer your question. If I'm trying to raise my own dopamine levels, it's still, again, it's a, it's a difficult question because, like, you know, the obvious answer would be like, oh, take some, you know, either phenylalanine, L-tyrosine, L-dopa, and boom, there you go. You know, or and take a, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor like rhodiola, and, you know, there you go. You're all set. It's just it's just not so simple. When you're playing with brain chemistry, um, you can get into murky waters pretty quickly, um, you know, and you kind of get tangled up tangled up in the proverbial spider web pretty easily. So you kind of have to look at the system as a whole and realize, well, the thing is it's so complicated. I mean, we still don't understand it fully, not even close to fully, but you know, I need to, to analyze me. Well, if I raise my dopamine levels specifically with a compound that just raises dopamine or does this compound inhibit an enzyme that breaks down dopamine? Well, that's inevitably going to have an effect it's going to have a cascade of effects on a bunch of other neurochemicals and the consequences of which may be beneficial and they may not be. So you really need to, when taking anything, you need to address this, the system as a whole. And it kind of sucks because it makes things complicated, but it is complicated. So, you know, that's why, like I said, I tend to err on the low side of dosing for almost anything I take. So if I, if I wanted to raise my own dopamine levels, my favorite thing to do would be, uh, first off, I'll low dose. Um, I might like do a a little tincture mixture of low dosing, uh, DL phenylalanine and L tyrosine. I I tend not to go with L dopa because I just don't feel as though I react well to L dopa. It's, it's just because it's a closer derivative to, dopamine that more of it converts to dopamine and personally i just don't like the feeling of having really high dopamine levels so i tend to take i'll take a mixture of low dosed dl phenylalanine and l tyrosine so things that are a little bit um, more upstream of of dopamine and then i might low dose or, or take a moderate dose of um a monoamine oxidase or an mao um, inhibitor in the form of like rhodiola is such a classic and it's, you know, um, but they're probably one of my favorite ones for 
you know, it's other benefits outside of just preventing the breakdown of things like dopamine and, and serotonin. So I, like I said, I, I like to go very simple. Like I know that I see all these guys, um, you know, these self-proclaimed biohackers. And personally, I'd, I'd be honest, I don't call myself a biohacker. Um, for some reason, I have an aversion to the term. But, um, you know, people take these big, complicated stacks of, you know, God, it's just the kitchen sink every day. Um, and I'm just like, man, like the long-term ramifications, like, you know, it's like, yeah, like we say these things are safe, but we literally don't, we don't know what the long-term ramifications of these things are. Um, nobody, nobody does, not even the people who study them mm -hmm. the most in depth. So for that reason, I keep it simple and I keep my doses low. Hmm. So what's been your sort of most effective uh, sort of regime that you've sort of attained throughout the years of uh, just self-experimentation and doing your own research? What's been, what do you think, uh, if you could, if people were listening there, like they wanted a bit of an introduction into nootropics in general, or what sort of, uh, what would be a good entry point for them to sort okay. of start with? And that's another thing, actually, man, with the, uh, with those nootropics, do you prefer, like, obviously there's different there's different variations of what you can class as a nootropic. Is it going to be a racetam? Is it going to be more of an herb oil uh, nootropic? Is it almost going to be like a, a B vitamin derivative? Um, there's like look, there's it's quite like a a broad word to use when I say nootropic. So whatever you would say would best increase your cognitive functioning. What sort of uh, what's the sort of things that people should be looking for? And if you can, what's the sort of, um, dosages right. okay. that would be, uh, so would be best. Some people like, like you said, um, nootropics kind of a big umbrella term. And then underneath that you have, you know, you have your natural ingredients, you have your herbs, you have your mushrooms, you have your Ayurvedic, uh, medicine. And then, you know, you also have your synthetic compounds. Um, and for some reason, you know, you just uh, like being involved in the industry. Uh, generally speaking, people tend to be a little bit off put by the term synthetic. Um, just, you know, and, you know, there's really, there's really no need to be, but, but I do understand it. Uh, especially if you don't, you know, if you're not so much in the know, in the know of these things. Um, but like you said, the synthetics would, would kind of be comprised of more of the, the racetams, um, you know, like uh, vinpocetine is synthetic, even though it's derived from a plant. Um, and, and those tend to be a little bit more potent than the naturals. I guess when, when you match them, maybe on a dose per dose. Um, the racetams are interesting. I, I actually, um, I don't actually like racetams very much. And that's just me personally. They, they, they can be very beneficial for some people, you know, they mainly act on the cholinergic system. Um, so I, I do know that some people who are more experienced, um, racetams tend to be used by people with some experience. Um, and that's what I would suggest. You know, I wouldn't suggest you start at the racetams. Um, now, they're a good, they're something that, that you could be, okay, now I could at least, as I am self-experimenting and as I'm learning, about you know what kinds of things to take together 
then the racetams can be a good goal to shoot for. Like, you know, eventually I would like to shoot and take, you know, try out these different racetams with maybe different types of choline supplements and then even add in, you know, other types of compounds that may affect dopamine or serotonin. Like it's, it's a good, it's a good goal to shoot for in terms of a stepwise, um, a stepwise increase in experience. So I wouldn't suggest people start with racetams. Um, they can be pretty potent, like I said, particularly on the cholinergic system, but they also, by acting on the cholinergic system, they also affect just about, you know, they affect just about every other system in the body. They affect dopamine levels, they affect serotonin, they affect glutamate, um, you name it. So, and a lot of people can have some pretty, you know, though as a whole, people tend to respond okay within uh within the reasonable within like the the suggested dosing um people do tend to have some pretty adverse effects to racetams um particularly let's see um i don't know you know well, anoracetam is my favorite one anoracetam is my favorite yeah anoracetam is my favorite um yeah. the reason being is that it's half life is pretty short so it's half life is about two and a half hours. Um, and it basically gives you the effects of like a pramuracetam. Um, you know, pramuracetam lasts a lot longer. So anoracetam is kind of good for like, if you want to get a good, like a burst of work in, it'll punch you in the face really quick for a couple of hours. Um, and then it'll wear off where some of the other racetams, their effects, you know, can last for anywhere from six to 12 to 15 hours. Um, so I like aniracetam. I, mean, I think aniracetam, it's one of its, its main mechanisms of action is that it basically, it just causes a lot of acetylcholine to be produced in a short amount of time and be released um, into the neural tissue for use. So you get a huge burst of acetylcholine to use what you need it for. And then the levels tend to die down pretty quickly. So I, I like aniracetam, like I said, when I, when I have short bursts of work. And, and that can be used twice a day, too. So you could use it once in the morning um, at around 750 milligrams, uh, you know, and then later in the day, um, probably not too late in the day. You know, I think I wouldn't dose, I wouldn't dose it past. But the cool thing is because it has a short half-life, you can push it a little bit, you know. But I wouldn't dose it past 5 p.m. just for myself. Um, you know, the one big thing with those... Um, and a lot of the, the adverse effects people experience, you know, you have headaches. Um, some people get loss of libido. Um, most of the time that has to do with those things can just deplete your choline stores. Um, particularly when dosed, um, for periods of time, you know, if you're just going to take a racetam, maybe like, Hey, I'm just going to take one here and one there never on consecutive days. Then you might not have anything to worry about assuming that your diet is sufficient. Well, in dietary choline. Um, but most times it's smart to pair racetam with a choline source like CDP or alpha GPC. So just most times people stay away from choline bitartrate just because, um, alpha GPC. What was the second one, dude? Yeah, I've so just cut out a little bit. Yeah, the, I've done, uh, I always used to stack at all the, uh, whatever sort of racetans that I had back, back when I was do, experimenting a few years back with, uh, Alpha GPC. I think it's, um, I think Alpha GPC is pretty, uh, 
pretty undervalued i think it's i've i think it's uh good for quite a lot it's got quite a broad um quite a broad effect that it can have on you not just um mentally but also physically as well is that oh, no, something totally, that you've done totally. yourself or um, is that just something that you suggested then? In, and like actually most calling sources because um our periphery and our muscles well acetylcholine is the main messenger that our muscles use to fire so if we have inadequate levels of acetylcholine, you know, in our brains, I mean, we may also have inadequate levels in our muscle tissue and that would affect our performance, whether we're in the gym um, or we're in competition or whatever, you know, we have, there's more studies, more recent studies in alpha GPC showing that it can increase the level. Now, whether, whether this is significant over the long term or not, I don't know, and I can't say that scientifically, but if you think this is meaningful, well, it does increase growth hormone levels, at least acutely. So particularly after training, um, you know, it's also, there's also some evidence to suggest that it can increase power output in like healthy, um, you know, in healthy young men, healthy athletic young men. So, yeah, so alpha GPC can be used to increase physical performance, cognitive performance. Um, I think and it's not banned by WADA. And I don't know that it can be because, you know, you get it through your diet. So it's not like it's not like something that they can just ban you from taking. Otherwise, you'd have to watch what, you know, well, I can't have that steak for breakfast because, you know, there's choline in it. So, you know, all, all it is is a more concentrated dose of choline. And of the choline supplements on the market, you know, like alpha GPC versus CDP choline versus choline bitartrate, uh, it's the most concentrated dose of choline. It's about um, it's about 40 percent choline by weight, whereas CDP choline or city choline is about 18 to 20 percent choline by weight. So, yeah, I mean, alpha GPC, like, so whereas both of those choline sources, they both have similar benefits and they also have different benefits. Alpha GPC um, could actually be used to enhance performance. And I have, you know, of course, I've, I've experimented with that and anecdotally have found that in myself. Interesting. Yeah, it's um, I actually haven't used it for a while, but I went through a stage where I had it as almost like a, a staple where it was I was like, man, this shit, this shit's totally legit. I like this. And it's um, yeah, I stacked it with a few different things through um, something like the racetans, but then also uh, some of the more herbal based um, ooh, sorry, nootropics, which then brings me to another question. Have you tried? Provigil. Modafinil or Projavil, I think that's what um, you call I, it in the States. Or do you call it Modafinil? Yeah. Yeah, Provigil. Yeah, Provigil yeah, Pro, yeah, Pro um, yeah, no, Pro Pro, is Pro the, uh, the, the the shelf name for it. So, yeah. So, I have, actually. Um, yeah. Now, there's, now, there's Provigil and there's New Vigil. So, Provigil, I believe, is is regular Modafinil and New Vigil is our Modafinil. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So there was a, you know, back in grad school, like I had never, I had never even done Adderall, never tried Adderall until I was in grad school. And then when I was, 
Oh man, that seems to be something that you guys. Sorry, man, that's something that it seems that the states are obsessed with. By the way, like I, I I've got a lot of friends from the United States, and they're just obsessed with Adderall. I don't get the 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 hype about it, man. If you could just give, it's, go go say, continue with what you're saying, man. Sorry about that, but then if you could add a no, little I bit hear, about Adderall, I hear you, man. man. Adderall's actually it's a big problem for abuse. Big that's one. Cool. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I honestly would suggest if people had an option because yeah. a lot of people are prescribed these things. You know, I'm not, um, you know, yes, I've tried Adderall. Yes, I've tried Modafinil. Um, Adderall, I would suggest that if possible, people stay away from just because it does have more addictive um, addictive potential than Modafinil um, because it does actually bind to opioid receptors, um, you know, and it's basically it has an amphetamine backbone. Um, or basically a, a very close analog to it. So it acts as an amphetamine in the body. Yep. But I had never tried that until I was in grad school and I was, you know, running, you know, uh, I was running like my first ever research study as a, as a PI, as a, as a prime investigator. So I'm in the lab 12 hours a day collecting data and still have to go to work at night until midnight and then wake up and open the lab at four o'clock in the morning. Um, and so one of my friends like, here, just take this and get you through the day. And I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, life changing. Um, you know, but so I don't, I don't take, I actually haven't taken Adderall in years, but Modafinil, you know, I had gotten turned on to that again, it was in grad school. And nowadays I tend not to use it. And if I do use it, I use a very low dose and I use it if it's a very, if it's a big, big day for me, like, okay, I need to really, really lock in today. Like that's kind of, that's kind of in my arsenal of heavy hitters. Um, because there, there was a time like three years ago, um, three years ago when I had first tried it where I was like, man, this shit's awesome. You know? And like, I had heard like David and this is before I really knew too much about all these things. And this is actually interesting. This kind of shows you the, prog- the, the progression of how I got to where I am. Um, you know, I heard like people like Dave Asprey say that they, they take, they've been taking it every day for seven years, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, this must be legit. So I used it pretty frequently and I started getting some really nasty side effects. Um, you know, like I was like, some, I had really, really intense anhedonia. So just an inability to really feel pleasure throughout the day. Uh, you know, I was like depressed all the time, um, tired, you know, like my libido was kind of in the basement and I was just like, man, like this, you know, this shit's no good. You know, what, what it was, was I was just taking too high doses for too long of a time. So I, I cycled time off of it. And I also realized because, uh, modafinil, provigil, new vigil, uh, what they do is, you know, you know, you burn through dopamine at a pretty extensive rate. They, they do act as dopamine reuptake inhibitors. So you, you burn through more dopamine. So what happened was like my dopamine stores were depleted. So after taking time away from it and supplementing with L-tyrosine for, uh, and a little bit of L-dopa from Mecuna prurians for a couple weeks, you know, then all of a sudden the side effects kind of went away. And I was like, okay, that's when I really realized, uh, this, this stuff's no joke. Um, not just the modafinils and the armodafinils, but just when you play with cognitive, when you play with your own neurochemistry, you know, you can get into trouble pretty quickly and, and it's, it's no, it's no good and it's no joke. So, but 
modafinil. So now, like, you know, normally they come dosed or the, the difference between modafinil and armodafinil is modafinil has an S and an R isomer. So basically they're two analogs that they're like, they're mirrors of each other. And it's the R isomer, I believe, that is the the one that shows most of the most of the cognitive effects. Whereas I think that saw now there's research coming out to suggest that the S isomer does have different effects, but for the most part, the cognitive effects that we're very accustomed to with these things come from the R isomer. So if you get a, these pills come in 200 milligram pills. And you'll have half of it will be the S, half is the R. But so technically you're getting 100 milligrams of the active ingredient from a 200 milligram pill. So that's basically a 100 milligram dose. Now, armodafinil, armodafinil is straight R isomer. So pro vigil mm. or sorry, new vigil, new vigil is the armodafinil. Um, that's a straight that comes in typically comes in 150 milligram pills. So that's a straight 150 milligrams of active dose. So you're getting 50 milligrams more than if you're taking a 200 milligram pill of just modafinil. So armodafinil tends to be more potent. Um, but typically I tend to keep armodafinil in stock just because, you know, as of now, that's the more potent active. So, but what I'll do is if I'm ever going to use it, and I actually haven't used modafinil or armodafinil in, man, probably a year. I probably haven't used it close to a year. I just haven't needed to. Um, but what I do is I cut the pill in half. So then mm-hmm. I'm taking about 75 milligrams of active because I just don't like, you know, I think what happens when you play with this stuff so frequently, then, you know, you do lose your tolerance to a lot of it. So I realized, like, well, instead of being like everybody else, just taking ridiculously high doses yeah. of, you know, God knows how many compounds day in and day out, I would just go through periods where I wean myself off of things. Like even caffeine, like right now, like I only take in caffeine on days I, I train. And so I wean myself off so that, so that I purposefully remain sensitive to these things so that when I do take them, I can take the lowest doses possible to get the same effect as other people who are taking four times a dose is what I'm taking. Hmm. Yeah, man. It's, uh, just, it's, it's interesting. Cause just, that's what I'll, it's a little bit different here in the UK with our, like, um, what's, what's only available through prescription and whatnot but uh yeah you can't get you can't get hold of uh modafinil easy here in the uk and i remember a few years back that i ended up buying some off uh some indian pharmacy i think it's called like sun pharma or some something like that which supposedly did like a real high grade modafinil out in india not, not like i was gonna fuck i was gonna know that at all they didn't give any sort of lab reports they didn't give anything to show it was what it was but yeah i remember taking it and within a few days, I was just like, yeah, this, this is probably isn't what it's made out to be. Like I can't, it's, uh, it's making, it's giving me some offish effects. So I'll quickly stop that. And then I did find, find another source eventually, which, uh, yeah, I think from, from myself personally, it's like, I'm not very sensitive to these sort of, to these things. Like 
I I am one of those that you're uh, demonizing, <laughs> where I just where I just mega dose shit just to see, uh, and then I sort of real, then I sort of uh, maybe cut little bits off here and there to see uh, to see what the optimal dosage is going to be. But uh, yeah, I do I do find that very interesting, and it's going to be it's going to be um, I'm going to be observing how the uh how it how it comes out in the uk just because it's i still think that you you have to have a prescription for it here in the uk for if you're like if you got like not narcolepsy or something i think it's something like that where that's how you get it um prescribed to you but um yeah very interesting one dude and like just a little story on the adderall it's uh i remember because i used to work on a cruise ship that's um that's what i did before i started um this primal alchemy brand and we were stationed out in um, near Cancun in a place called Cozumel. And in Mexico, it's like, you know, from Mexican sports, uh, sport athletes, pretty much everything's legal down there. And all the crew just stock up on Adderall, stock up whenever we're in port. They just go in and they just they just clear the shelves of it. And it's crazy how many people are on this Adderall hype. Like, it's, addic- and it's addictive as fuck. I just seen people that... Like they didn't. I was like, you don't even need this shit, surely. And they're just addicted to Adderall and caffeine. And it's interesting, um, just uh, what people use in their day to day life. Maybe even subconsciously, just through some addiction to it. And it's, uh, yeah, I know it's it's obviously a lot more severe in the states than it is here in the UK. Like Adderall is probably mostly unheard of over here. I think it's only within maybe uh medical industry like high high performing like medical professionals or maybe in the in the banking scene but other than that yeah there's not many people oh, know yeah, about that but i know that's massive for college massive for students college over students. in the states right um, massive in the gaming community as well you know there's these um, this gaming community is growing growing every year and yeah, Adderall is probably but- the most abused drug um amongst amongst that particular population as well yeah that's uh, probably the next big thing man if you, if, so, if someone's listening and they want a business idea you want to find a way to open up a or to create some form of nootropic even if you just find a way to sell modafinil straight and get it over in south korea because those guys are big on their gaming and they must be using all kinds of shit over there. They're probably on like the panics ginseng or something like that. To be fair, it's native to them. Um, but yeah, something, something like that. I've, the gaming, as the gaming industry sort of really begins to blossom and, and sort of blow up, which it is. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that there are going to be supplement companies that sort of jump on that trend, jump on the bandwagon and start creating. Um, well, you see it now. There's a, there's a lot more brands that are coming out with nootropic based formulas. Whereas before, I think it wasn't until, like alpha brain from on it where people started being like, Oh, it's a nootropic and started creating it. And then obviously bulletproof and Dave Asprey started talking about it, but it's only been for a few years that it's really been, um, been in the limelight before that. It was all kind of like garage work, like he, like kind of keeping it secret, experimenting with it. Cause as soon as you start bringing the brain into things, like people are more than happy to throw whatever shit it is into their body in order to manipulate any physiological um 
response in the body, but as soon as it's uh, oh, yeah. to do with the brain, oh, yeah. it's just like, it's so like because cautious. we we understand so little about it in the the broad scheme of things. You know, it's like it's like the depths of the ocean. They're just you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of unexplored territory, and there's a lot of things that we think we know, but we don't fully understand. There's more research coming out every single day that you know, like that updates what we already know. That's why, you know, like one of, one of my favorite sayings is that truth is tentative because it's subject to change at any time. You know, um, I think that there was some research coming out pretty recently that suggested that the, the hypothalamus, you know, for, I think since the sixties or the seventies, we thought that it was, it was essential to consciousness. Um, that it was one of the major players in consciousness in the brain and now there's research coming out to suggest that, okay, that's not the case anymore. Now we found some conflicting evidence, um, and now we need to update what we thought we knew. So, yeah, when you when you start messing with the brain, it just it gets scary, you know? And so people may hear about this and say, oh, nootropics, like, you know, like what? I can, I can increase um, my ability to do work. I can be more proficient. I can feel better throughout the day. Like, wow, like, you know, sign me up, right? Who doesn't, who doesn't want to be a part of that? The, the problem is, is that, you know, so few people understand it. And, and I mean, that's okay because everybody specializes in their own respective thing. But if you're somebody who, who really has no inclination for these types of things, you know, it's like you said before, like, how do you even get started? And, and, and then you probably might not even tinker with it to begin with. And if you do, you may not necessarily be doing what's best for your cognitive health long term. True, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's literally, mate, just keeping an eye on the time from what you said that you were available to. We're going to have to sort of really taper this one in, which is a shame because I could literally sit here and sort of pick your brains on a, on a few, on quite a lot of shit concerning, uh, concerning this area of interest. Uh, just to, just to kind of close it in then, man. Uh, what's, if you, for everyone that's listening, if you could say, Let's go. Let's go for two things in in order for people to to sort of they can it can either be a practice, it can be a supplement, but in order to improve the let's go for the rate of neurogenesis and limit the the rate of neurodegenerative uh, factors. What what would be your sort of uh, best you one more time? best uh, suggestion on that? So it's basically what's you got. It could be two things. It could be one thing. I really don't mind. This can either be like a practice in terms of doing something physically, or it can be through supplement, through food. But what I'm looking for is the best bang for your buck in increasing the rate of neurogenesis, but then also limiting neurodegenerative. Okay. Um, well, you know, it might not be the most popular answer, think, like, but it's certainly simultaneously. It certainly is my best answer, and that would be, um, you know, intense exercise. Um, there's, you know, there's no shortage of data that suggests that particularly high intensity exercise has some very robust increases in different nerve growth factors in neurogenesis and all these different factors that aid in the process of neurogenesis. Uh, you know, one thing that's very interesting is that, um, for, for those of us that are more academically inclined, Mm -hmm. 
Um, and even actually people learning motor skills. I think that there's enough evidence to suggest that this is true for cognitive um, retention as well as um, learning physical skill. And that's that uh, once you take in that information, well, your neurons, they need substrate to store it, um, you know, because it's, it's a heavy load of, of data that they need to input uh, and figure out what's useful to store. And high-intensity exercise particularly because high-intensity exercise um, basically stimulates a lot of metabolic byproduct, you know, in the form of lactate, adenosine, phosphate groups. But lactate in particular um, is a substrate for neurons to use and feed on. So there's, there's a reasonable amount of research out there showing that when you do some kind of learning task, a lot of times it's a motor task. So when you're doing some kind of learning task and then you do high intensity exercise soon after, you actually have a much longer and stronger retention of that information because your neurons use that lactate to store all that information. So I actually like to, if I go through, um, I know a lot of people like to work out in the beginning of the day to get their day going. Now, whether this makes a long-term difference in how I learn or not, you know, I, I don't know unless I was to run a legitimate research study on myself, but um, I like to go through a really long day of like, you know, studying, learning, um, really taxing my brain cognitively. And then I do my training at the end of the day. Um, and if it was a particularly long day in terms of, you know, man, like I really had to dive deep into the subject and my brain was just fried. Um, I'll make sure that I do high intensity exercise that day specifically to provide my neurons mm. with the substrate to store that information, um, you know, so that I have to go back and try to relearn that stuff as few times as possible. So high intensity exercise, like I said, might not be the most popular answer, but it, to me, it's certainly the best one. Nice man, I never, I never really thought of it that way before. That's, uh, that's nice. So the, yeah, so the lactate itself, it's like a, in essence, like a food for your uh, neurons. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Nice man. Shit, I'm gonna uh, make a note of that one. All right, dude. Um, again, yeah, that's pretty much bang on the, uh, bang on the time for when we said that we had to close this one down. So. I guess just to finish this one off, dude. Uh, if ever for everyone that's been listening now, and they uh, they're liking what you've got to say, to, where can they where can um, they find Instagram, more of William Wallace? Um, you know, uh, if if I had my choice, I'd, I'd live in the mountains with no social media. But as we know, you, you need to remain relevant in today's day and age. So I tend to stick to Instagram at Will the Wallace. Um, you'll actually be seeing um, myself. And, and my good friend from graduate school, who's an absolute genius, um, you know, we'll be we'll be co-hosting our own podcast and releasing that. Yeah, we'll be releasing that an episode bi-weekly, so twice a month. And nice. that's, you can find that at, um, on Instagram for right now. We'll be filming our first episode this week, and that'll be uh, at What's Up Radio. All right, so it's at what's up, uh, um, at, at what's up radio, Wallace. and at William the Wallace. Is that right on your Instagram? Yeah, 
Ah, Will Wallace. That's the one. Cool. So, man. Um, right. Let's let's uh, let's close this one down for the day. So, guys, hopefully you've really enjoyed uh, listening today. As I was going to say, we did go pretty deep on the nootropics, so something that's a little bit new for the podcast. Hopefully you guys can uh, take what Will said, do a little bit of research yourself, and yeah, experiment, guys. See see what uh, see what works for you. There might be some things, if you're a listener here in the UK, that might be a bit hard to get hold of. But um, yeah, check it out. All right, so uh yeah closing this one down so thanks again will for coming on thanks guys for listening that's episode 13 of prime alchemy red initiation hour closing out stay woke guys peace